Hello, over there on the other side of the pond, this is Tony Campolo, and the other voice uh, on the co-hosting this show is Shane Claiborne, uh, the author of the incredible book, The Irresistible Revolution. Today, Shane, we have a very interesting guy. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah. John Fisher, uh, an author. He's written really good books, and um, he's uh, produced a lot of great Christian music over the years. Uh, there was a time when I was out on the speaking circuit uh, nonstop, uh, time and time again. John Fisher would appear on the same program with me, playing his guitar hmm. and getting us to sing some of his songs. Uh, uh, welcome to the show, John. And uh, the uh, purpose of the show is to promote, promote what we call red-letter Christianity. Uh, for those who don't know it, We've started a movement called Red Letter Christians, and you can learn all about it by going to our website, redletterchristians.org. We broadcast from the studios of Cabrini University here at, uh, in St. David's, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, across the road from Eastern University, which is near and dear to our hearts. John, welcome to the show. Uh, what are you working on lately? Thank you, Tony. Um... Well, I have a, uh, I actually now have kind of a web community. I've got an online community, and uh, it's based on my website, um, uh, which is at catchjohnfisher.com. And um, we've, we've got uh, quite a group of folks here. I write every day to them, uh, and I write a blog, and, and then we've got uh, a prayer ministry going, and we've got... Uh, a lot of boots on the ground people all over the world, and uh, we're we're really we're also excited about the fact that um, we've we've got a lot of millennials who are kind of tuning into us, and and I think it's because we talk about a lot of the same things you guys do. Uh, uh, red letter is Jesus, and that's what we talk about, and uh, uh, it's been that way ever since uh, the Jesus movement. Yeah, and, no, you uh, you came yeah. out of that Jesus movement, and a lot's I happened did. since then. Uh, you have some unique things to say. I think you, you might want to tell us a little bit of the backdrop. I, I wasn't quite alive, I don't think, when the Jesus no. movement was happening a little bit, John. So for folks yeah. that don't know about the old Jesus movement, we'll get to the new Jesus movement in a minute. Tell us a little bit about uh, that that history. Yeah, well, I was right. I, I'm right in the middle of the baby boomers. Uh, I was born in 47. Um, I graduated from college in 69 and anybody who knows anything about what was going on in the late sixties know that it was a a major social upheaval and, uh, a whole, uh, group of, of young people who were in college coming out of college, who were, um, you know, getting caught to the war and Vietnam and, and uh, many were against it at home, and and it was it was a mess. And uh, we really uh, thought that we were probably one of the first generations who grew up in a peace uh, in in the in that uh, you know in in, in the uh, twenty <laughs> yeah the whole ge- generation and the anti-war um, movement. The um, anti-war yeah. movement was in high gear. The uh, uh, anti. Uh, uh, racist movements were in in high gear. Yep. We were in the civil rights era. 
so that's the yeah, era. And, and you know, I've I've been to uh, you know with Glenn Kaiser, who I'm sure you know, and the, I was just with yeah. him actually really recently. And uh, the Jesus people in Chicago were born out of that. But then you know, somewhere along the way, it feels like uh, uh, it really detached from the world that we live in, or or something went a little haywire with it. And because uh, um, the contemporary Christian music of the last few decades has not had a lot to speak into some of the social issues that we care about too, right? A lot of it's been kind of about yeah. going to heaven when we die. So what, what happened there, buddy? <laughs> well, well, what happened was um, we, we formulated um, all kinds of, uh, uh, there was really an explosion of, of music and of, of the gospel there was a lot of disillusionment that happened in that generation in, in the late 60s. And I think Jesus became the focus of new hope, of peace, and of love, and all the mm. things we were really looking for. And so there really was a, a revolution, a spiritual revolution in the country, and music played a huge role in it. And I was privileged to be a, a, a part of that. A major part of it. I think what yeah, a major, uh, probably one of the first uh, albums. Although you guys, you know, speaking of uh, of the station uh, being a British station, you know, I think the group Malcolm and Alban were a English group. I I really have always felt like they beat everybody, and so it was going on all over the Western world, South Africa, all over Europe. Um, it was a movement of of, of the Holy Spirit for sure, and. Um, what happened, though, is that uh, music played such a huge role, it kind of contemporized uh, uh, religion. It contemporized Christianity. And everybody started getting very excited about, wow, we've got music that we like now about Jesus. So let's, let's start having Christian uh, everything. And what happened was... Uh, it took over a sub a subculture was born mm. and that's where you got the Christian, the more majority and the Christian coalition. And then it became quite political. And then, then what happens now is that we've got, at least in America, we've got Christians all over the place who are Christians just because it's cultural to be one. And it's because uh, as Christians, they can create a world that they want a safer world that uh, a more conservative world, a safe one that uh, that will make make them raise their kids in, in, in you know the way they want to. Yeah, you know, I grew up, John. I grew up in the Bible yeah. Belt down in Tennessee, and uh, uh, they they used to give us charts. You know, these posters they would put yeah. in our youth room. If you listen to this secular band, mm -hmm. then you'll like this Christian. Uh, right, counterfeit basically, yeah. <laughs> and then we would get rid of our secular music, you know, and uh, yeah. and, and sometimes it wasn't that good, you know. I I can remember uh, one of my favorite songwriters was Rich Mullins, who you may have known. Uh, he yeah. became a friend, and he said, "Yeah, sometimes I listen listen to these Christian artists, and they say God gave me this song, and then I listen to it, and I know why God gave it away." <laughs> <laughs> the uh, question that I would like to raise, yeah. And the question yeah, that I would like to raise that I would like you to comment on is uh, this Jesus movement started. Uh, there was all of this music that was so much a part of it. 
and the music reflected uh, countercultural values standing over and against the dominant American society. And then the Christian musicians, and there were so many of them, began to realize uh, that uh, we can we can make money at this. More than that, record companies began to say, "Hey, yeah. these people are buying records," and they said. We, we, uh, we need to get these people uh, recorded. And then they began to tell the artist what kind of music they would like and what kind of themes and values they wanted articulated and what kind of uh, ideas they wanted expressed. And so uh, the artist began to capitulate to the desires of record companies rather than record companies uh, picking up right. what the artists were saying. Could you comment on that? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, and, and the tail started wagging the dog, and and so there was no, you know, I, I, through that whole period of time, um, there was always, what would have happened? I, I remember I, I wrote an article for uh, CCM Magazine, Contemporary Christian Music, for 23 years, and uh, I had the back page of that magazine, which was kind of the trade magazine for Christian music, and I I my article would almost always, uh, you know, dis, uh, uh, disagree with a lot of the magazine. And um, I, I remember the one I wrote, what happened? What would happen if we woke up one day and Christian music had just di- disappeared into a black hole? <laughs> what, what I suggested was, you know, well, either the, the, the talented Christians would be singing in church, which is fine, or they would have figured out, how to get their music out to the wider culture, which is what we should have been doing all along. Hmm. And uh, unfortunately, that is actually has been starting to happen in the last maybe maybe 10 years, starting with a group called Jars of Clay. There are other groups that have, uh, of, you know, Switchfoot and others have translated into the culture and figured out how to be artists and to be careful about their witness but to be christians in the midst of the world it's, and that's that's the challenge and that's what we should have done all along it's interesting because as you had said that i thought you know when before you said uh, jars of clay and switchfoot i thought you were going to say you too uh, mm-hmm. because well, i, I that, think uh, when it comes course, to someone yeah. who is speaking to the world we live in and 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 you know deeply committed to faith i you know it sort of feels like yeah. um we we've made these kind of uh binaries, you know, of secular and Christian, and it's a lot blurrier than that, because I listen to a lot of the Christian music, and it doesn't always speak to the things I think Christ spoke to, and then there's folks like you too that, and, and many other bands, I think a lot of uh, songs that are um, the blues and jazz and other stuff that's out there that's speaking to uh, out of the faith, um, but, you know, it's kind of like the uh, someone said Christian is a really bad adjective, but a good noun, and I, I wonder if that's part of our problem. Exactly, exactly. And uh, when it is an adjective, I think that's that's when we're in trouble. Well, and I've, I've been working in Tennessee, uh, John, with uh, around the death penalty. That's my home state. And, you know, mm-hmm. t- Nashville, Tennessee, where the executions happen, where Tennessee's mm. death row is, is also the hub of Christian music. And we've been <laughs> trying really hard to get a few Christian artists to just— uh, uh, you know, to, to speak out uh, against the death penalty. And there are a few that have, like the Wren Collective has been amazing. Um, 
uh, Stu G, who played with Delirious, uh, has been a really great mm-hmm. ally in this. But then there's others, some prominent ones that really have a lot of uh, a heavy foot in the evangelical world. Like Amy Grant took a, a picture with a sign that said, it's time to end the death penalty. And then her manager asked me not to use it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and, and uh, Michael W. Yeah. Smith is in Bible study with the governor who is executing people. And so it's just, it's just wrenching to see that. So I, I know you're familiar with it. And, you know, does that, any of that surprise you? <laughs> well, no, not at all. And, and the problem is, uh, like I said, there's a subculture now that if you're going to be successful, at least in the Christian side of things, you've got to cater to that subculture and to their political beliefs and, and uh, if you if you don't, well, then, you know, forget selling your records to those folks. And uh, that's just that's unfortunate about the way this whole thing has gone. Yeah. Uh, well, this is Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. And uh, we are on every week at this time broadcasting from Eastern University and Cabrini University Christian schools just on the suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, good schools for you to investigate and perhaps even attend if you're looking for a school, uh, we're interviewing John Fisher. Now, I've known F- John for so many years, and he's been a great Christian brother. And uh, many people look at him and say, he's the guy, he's one of the guys that gave birth to this whole uh, movement called contemporary Christian music. And um, as you're looking at it in today's situation, uh, what would you critique it as being? Uh, what are the positives? What are the negatives? Well, um, the positives, of course, it, w- it was an outlet that uh, allowed for, um, for for believers to be creative and to speak into the culture in the language of the culture um, and and the language of their own heart. Growing up with with music, folk music, rock music, all of that, um, and so that that's the positive aspect but the the negative aspect is that uh, what we've been talking about that it's taken on um the expression more of a subculture than 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 of jesus and it's also also has um created see i think that we we call about the christian adjective that's created an entire another world um and it's an alternative when Christianity became an alternative to the world, a, a, a culture alternative to, you know, so now we have Christian movies and Christian books and Christian schools and Christian this and that. Um, and, and the minute I knew we were in trouble is when I heard Christian radio saying, uh, safe for the whole family. Or uh-huh. how, how about how about this one? Music you don't have to worry about your kids listening to. Mm. You know, I, I, that's that's I'm worried about that. I worry about putting my kids in front of something that I don't care. I don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah. And, and no one, no one's learning. No one's learning how to assess the culture. No one's learning what people are saying. We're not communicating to the world. So we've become isolated. That's what's happened. And, and that's the worst part of Christian music is isolated our message. And we are no longer out in the world speaking into the culture through the arts and through movies and through, you know, uh, all the other means of communication, like C.S. Lewis would have us 
do. Yeah, and so there's there's definitely a whole commercial side of this, right? Like this the the CCLI, right. the Christian Licensing uh, Organization, that you it, the congregations actually end up paying royalties based yeah. on singing songs, multi million dollars of uh, who knows where all that money goes and all that. But I, you know, I, yeah. I there's some moving songs. You know, I we were Tony and I were just in the UK. We worshipped with Tim Hughes, who at one point wrote a worship song, "Here I Come to Worship." I think it is that was sung more than any other song in the world except for happy birthday (laughs) and uh, but you know we had a gathering of songwriters and there felt like a really beautiful energy there um to think about worship as not detaching us from the world, but but actually fueling us to want to transform the world, to be sensitive to uh, things like uh, the, the plight of immigrants and refugees, and they're trying to rethink how they they think about worship music. So you're you're kind of on the front, uh, uh, you know, lines of this movement that. Uh, um, uh, of, of sort of a new Jesus movement. Tell us a little of where you see hope, man. Well, I, I see hope in, in the millennials. Uh, in fact, I think we made a lot of connections with, with um, your, your generation, and I believe you are probably among that group. And uh, there's, I think there's a lot of hope because, in fact, I see a lot of similarities between them and us when, when we were, you know, their age or we were getting out of college. There's a, they don't like church. And that's fine with me. You know, mo- a lot of churches, a friend of mine said, most churches are like like a rock concert followed by a TED Talk. And, uh, you know, th- what's that doing for people? You know, and and people aren't, if people aren't really fellowshipping, and they aren't bearing their souls and becoming transparent one to another and praying for one another and growing and learning and hurt, hurting together and all of that stuff, you know, that's, that's what the church is, um, and I think uh, millennials are, are longing for authenticity. They're, they're longing to have real relationships like that, and they don't they don't want to go to a rock concert. They they mm. don't want that, you know, the the fog and the the lights and, and the cameras and all of that, you know. And I say, hooray! Let's let's just get together as people and make a difference in the world. So I I think I think they're ready. I feel like they're re- they're looking for a new frontier, and 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 they're going to provide, uh, I believe, a better leadership in the future than 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 what we've had of late. I've been. Uh, That's what I hope. I'm I'm interested in this question. Um, you're getting up in years. I mean, you're how old are you now? Well, uh, seventy-two, I think. Yeah, so you're getting up there. And I I see your songs around from time to time. Uh, When you look back on all the songs you've written, which song do you think you would like to have remembered and sung a generation from now? Oh, my. Your favorite. That's that's a tough one. uh, well, when I'm over in the United Kingdom, yeah. no matter where I am, yeah. um, uh, with uh, with um, uh, the guy that wrote "Shine, Jesus, Shine," uh, what, what's his name? Yeah, uh, but they want to hear that song. What's the song that you would I, like to have sung over and over again? Well, you know, of course, uh, on one hand, Tony, I have the song that is sung over and over again of mine, and that's called. Uh, 
love him in the morning. Yes, I love that song. Rising. Love him in the evening because he took you through it. Well, those are the songs. And I have motions. Do you, did you invent the motions? Or, you know, <laughs> because there's motions that go that kids in daily vacation Bible school love to utilize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got the motions. But that's probably my best known song because it, 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 it translates simply to, and people learn it quickly. And then they sing, uh, we even call it, I call it the all-day song, because it kind of sticks with you all day. And that's, that's the idea. And that gets you focusing on the Lord. You know, that's, that's great. You know, but I have, you know, I wrote that song in about 20 minutes and carried it around in my back pocket because I didn't think it was good enough for, for about six months. And, uh, you know, there are other songs that deeply reach into my own experience that I also would like to have people access. Like I have a, I have a song uh, called Not the Only One. And, and I grew up in the Christian community. I grew up as a Christian. So my experience was different um, than, than having a, you know, I did not do drugs. I was not a, you know, a groveling hippie. Um, uh, that was not my experience, and I had it. I had to come in a different way, and so my song, my testimony song, is that you know, I yeah, starts out. I used to think that I was right, a lonely candle in the night, and while the heart of the world was breaking, I could not feel the aching. Uh, the mantle had passed down to me. This thing was my destiny. But while the world was out there dying, I was in here lying to myself. Mm. Wow, that's good. All the knowledge I had gained put me on a higher plane, and I became another. No one was my brother, and the loving message he brought down turned into a hollow sound, and then I heard him calling, and his words sent me falling to my knees. Mm, And then I ended up with everybody else at the cross. That's that's where it, that's where I. How's that, t- How's that tune of that go? Could you sing it for us? I mean, that's a, a acapella right now. <laughs> oh well, it, I used to think that I was right, a lonely candle in the night. But while the heart of the world was breaking, I could not feel the aching. The mantle had passed down to me. This thing was my destiny. But while the world was out there dying, I was in here lying hmm. myself. And it goes on and on. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's hey, good. Hey, we See, just got a few minutes left, John, and I, I have a question for you. Um, you know, what, one of the things that's really clear is that in our country, what's hemorrhaging uh, is the older white evangelicalism. And, of course, yeah. that's the 82% or 81% that um, have led us to Donald Trump and kind of continued to defend uh the policies and anti-Christ-like policies and things that he stands for. But here's the thing that we're seeing is all over the country, there is a renewal and revival happening outside of white evangelicalism. And some of the really talented voices I see that are creating music and art are uh, people of color. I mean, we at our revivals, we've had Micah Borne, Propaganda, like uh, uh, Genesis B. We've had um, some uh, Yara Allen, who is uh, works with Reverend Barber. She she is called the Theo Musicologist of the movement. Whoa. So there's a whole theology of music in the movement right now, and uh, mm. she she wrote a song 
I won't sing it like you did, John, but uh, that somebody's been hurting my brother and it's been happening way too long. I can't be silent anymore. And we sing that, you know, as we go on marches in the mm-hmm. streets. And so I wonder if there's you're seeing that, too, outside of kind of the white dominant uh, culture. There are lots of incredible, talented artists that might not get the airtime or the prominence that they deserve, but they're really rising to the occasion. Do you see that? Yeah, I definitely do. And uh, and, and I think that's you know, it's a whole different deal now. It, it's uh it's not the same world musically that we grew up with, with, with just a few record companies and you had to get a contract before you could get out, you know, with the internet. Now anybody can get out. So music is out there mm. and um, people can find it. And, and it's so that there's some really good things happening. Um, as a result, you don't have to wait for, you know, you don't have to wait for a contract. You can go ahead and do it. I even like that old song. He says, I want you, I need you to survive. You heard that one? Yes. Oh, it's a beautiful one, right? Yeah. That's good. I'm going to have to wrap this up because we're running out of time. Uh, John Fisher, uh, go to the Internet. Find out about John Fisher. We hadn't had some singing today. Yeah, and that was a good song he sang, too. (laughs) Blessings on you, John, and, and know that we want you out there even now. I mean, you may be in your 70s. But you sound like you belong to this generation. And you can follow John's work. Go to his website. It's uh, catchjohnfisher.com and follow what he's doing. You can go to our website too, redletterchristians.org. We do believe that there is a new Jesus movement arising uh, in this generation of young people and older folks together that care about Jesus and justice. So uh, we're out of time, but thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you, John. Thank thank you, guys, very much.